You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, Greg Hectus. I made it. All right, and Tony Groves. Hey, hey, good evening, gentlemen. All right, welcome. On the show this week, we'll review the eNASCAR Coke Series race at Nashville Super Speedway with Evan Pasoko. A brand new iRacing World Championship gets underway. In hardware software, we'll look at some possible new VR upgrades and new 3D prints to upgrade your rig. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mode of lace in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll be discussing by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Did you know changing to a new set of pedals can have an instant impact on your driving? Changing to pedals that allow you to build your muscle memory and to be consistent lap after lap give you an advantage over the rest on track. With Simcoach's P1 Pro pedals, you can completely adjust them to match your driving style. Their new software, Visor, allows you to adjust the pedals electronically for even more adjustability. Take control of your driving with these hyper-realistic pedals. For a limited time, Simcoach is giving you guys 10% off a new set of pedals. Head on over to simcoaches.com and use discount code iRacersLounge at checkout to save. Let's get it done now, guys. First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the eNASCAR peak in And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough. And Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. All right, welcome back to the show, Evan Pasoko. Thanks for having me back. It uh, it feels like it's been so long with uh, the summer break now come and gone and uh, the playoff race in full swing. And now it's like almost desperation mode. So let's get into it at Nashville. Uh, before the race, uh, we saw a bona fide sponsor announcement. Uh, William Esports announced Duracell. Uh, you'll see that as a, a paint job for Donovan Strauss and Vicente Salas going forward. Yeah, it's a super cool connection. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Williams be super involved. We were just talking about them a couple of weeks ago, uh, getting their drivers out to the uh, Miami Grand Prix recently for the F1 race and uh, now continuing to bring big partners over. And listen, uh, a battery company makes sense for an eSports partner, right? So uh, anytime there's new sponsors coming into um, the eSports and sim racing space as a whole, and then the Coke series specifically, it's good news. So uh, super cool to see another uh, new sponsor join in here as the uh, race towards the play. Off seats up. All right, and uh, on to the race. Uh, we have a rookie, Briar LaPrad, puts it on the pole with the blistering lap time. Uh, lap one, not even up to full speed yet, and Malik Ray is up and over in a big wreck. Uh, all on lap one Casey Kerwin, Vicente, Vicente Salas, Malik Ray, Jimmy Mullis, and uh, uh, 
Hearst, all, all involved. It looked kind of like Vicente checked. Casey Kerwin couldn't check with Parker Retzlaff right behind. So Colin Bowden also spun no damage. It was a, a weird move because, you know, it's early um, and, you know, James Pike was able to speak with Malik immediately afterwards on the broadcast. And, um, you know, Malik didn't seem too upset about it, uh, didn't really seem surprised either. Um, you know, he said he, he couldn't blame the guys for making the moves, but I think he can, right? I mean, it's it was the either the or one of the shortest races of the year. Uh, I just don't think you got to be going four wide into turn one on lap one. I just I just don't see any other way where that works. And I think you're right in your synopsis where, you know, Malik was able to go three wide in the middle. That was fine. Um, but then when, when you had people started to check up, Kerwin, you're just too close. You get the contact. Bounding gets uh, tagged a little bit there. Gets away relatively okay. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, I was sweating a little bit when you got a big uh, pile up like that, turn one, lap one, thinking how messy is this race going to be? Absolutely. And so back to the restart, uh, we have our first NASCAR restart zone in the Coke series. And uh, this was a little surprising to me since it was released for hosted and league events only. Uh, I guess technically this is a league, but uh, I also kind of consider it official, but uh, it was neat to see. Yeah, I think it's good um, that iRacing implemented that. So you got two things coming in from the summer break, right? You got the new damage model on the cup cars, and then you got the restart zones. And, um, you know, the restart zones changed the complexion of, of how the restarts were at this track. Um, maybe not as much so as other places, but certainly here, um, you know, it changes the dynamic completely. Um, instead of the control car being able to go whenever the pace car clears the racetrack, they have to wait to the box. So instead of getting 10 seconds to play with, they're left with maybe three, right? It makes it a lot more realistic. It also keeps everybody grouped back up. I was really impressed um, that we didn't see a lot of people stacking it up, right? Like huge checkups, huge wrecks in the back. Because typically by the time we get to the exit of the restart box, leader's gone. Um, so I think uh, kudos to iRacing for for implementing that. I think that it uh, makes the restarts that much more competitive. And also big kudos to the field for being pretty disciplined on them, all things considered. It seemed to work out pretty good uh, throughout the race. Uh, by lap 12, the biggest mover so far was X-Set's Ryan Luza, up 10 spots from 27th to 17th. By lap 20, uh, new leader Graham Bolin muscles his way by his teammate Colin Keister for the lead. Uh, both Hurst and Bullis have returned to the track. They were 20 and 21 laps down, uh, respectively, after their damage. Yeah, just trying to salvage something. And, you know, you're not kidding when you say that Graham Bullard muscled his way uh, by his teammate, uh, Colin Keister, for the race lead. Uh, I mean, he went right up there and took it from him. Uh, this is, of course, after LaPrade led the opening X amount of laps and uh, was challenged. And then he really started to struggle in traffic, fell further and further back. And, Graham Bolin coming off of uh, a bit of a hot streak, if you will, having just won three weeks ago in Gateway. Looking good. And I'll tell you what, when one of the Charlotte Phoenix cars are good, they're both good, right? You don't typically see one of them fifth, one of them 25th. So uh, if they're fast, they're both top five, top 10 speed. And, and it was looking like another night that was going to be good for them. Yeah, and so uh, Malik, uh, Salas, Honeycutt, they were the only three off the track. Honeycutt never actually got to make the start. Uh, he was actually scheduled to be racing at the uh, Roush-Fenway uh, Keselowski headquarters, 
but they were having some kind of internet issues and uh and so he had a problem and and also uh nick ottinger he fell out uh on the green as well and he actually said he lost a set of tires during that process it's tough for uh Tough to see, um, you know, Caden never take to the green flag because uh, I know that they uh, they wanted to do something fun with him racing at the team shop, and uh, it's tough for Nick, of course. Uh, you you mentioned dropping out of the session on the green. Um, the sim, you know, had some issue calculating how many tire sets he had left because of it. Basically, that counted as a set take it away, so uh, he had to go like eighty something laps on a set of tires, uh, despite how the strategy was for everybody else, just because of a little bit of bad luck. Yep. And as you stated, Leprad was starting to fall off as others were coming to life. Uh, Zach Novak moves up to P2, Keister up to third, Alan Bowes now in fourth, and Leprad was about to lose fifth to Michael Guest. Then Dylan Duvall and Casey Kerwin move around. Leprad now back to eighth. By lap 44, Graham Boland extending his lead over Alan Bowes to about seven-tenths of a second, and they say dead zone is not currently in shambles and they actually had nine of the top the top nine positions on track at that halfway point well they've got the strength in numbers and they had the strength and speed last night for sure and you know that early yellow didn't do anything really to affect strategy so this is kind of how the race was expected to play out from everybody's perspective and you got Graham Boland pulling away um Graham could could easily have four or five wins in the Coke series instead of the two uh, that he has coming into this race. And uh, again, it, it's looking like a good night for him. And, you know, like I said, when one of the Charlotte Phoenix cars is doing good, they're both doing good. When one of the dead zone cars are doing good, uh, that whole working alliance is doing good. And uh, they were enjoying all the green flag racing because they were able to, you know, gain six, seven, eight spots for some of the guys that started in the teens and race their way up to the top 10 to try to get control on this thing, closing in on halfway. Yeah, and pit stops have started. Lap 51, Bobby Zielinski, Logan Clamp at pit, beginning that uh, sequence. Uh, and then people were trickling in after that each lap. Uh, during one of them, Ryan Luza spins on entering. There was no caution, but Keegan Leahy and Dylan Alt may have damage as a result of that spin. And then finally, lap 61, caution. Parker Retzlaff spins. Femi Olat got into Parker a bit when he checked up, and this changes everything. There's only 18 on the lead lap. This was the big one because we knew that everybody was going to have to make it a one-stop race, right? I mean, this is only a 100-lap contest. This is not a long race. Uh, and you could have pitted with 80 to go. You could have pitted with 20 to go. But most drivers wanted to come in at the halfway point. And there's always that risk, right, of going down pit road early. You get the fresh tires. You're going to go to the net race lead. We were talking about guys like Mitchell DeYoung who were going to be in a really good position. I mean, you get a yellow and half the field is off of the lead lap. And, you know, I mentioned that that early yellow didn't change strategy. This completely flipped the race on its head. Yeah. And so top eight stayed out. Ninth through 13th pitted, then people who pitted twice behind them, like they had already pitted and they pitted again, and then there were 12 cars that took a wave around. Uh, Mitchell will lead, but Stephen Wilson has the freshest tires in the top eight. Uh, he could be in the catbird seat here. He pitted as the caution came out on lap 60. He's the first with freshies in P9, uh, pitted on 61. Yeah, this is what was the real interesting thing for me, right, is how many different strategies uh, you had. Uh, you have the, the people who stay out, um, who, again, had just pitted. So they had 
fresh-ish tires. Then, of course, you had the drivers who needed to pit because they hadn't pitted. And then you had the double takers, right, the double dippers. So you had three very distinct strategies that, again, we really hadn't got a good look at what two tires, what new tires, what four tires did in the first half. So this is a complete gamble by everybody. Yep, and he's holding on strong. Mitchell DeYoung hasn't been a player much yet today and arguably has the oldest tires in the field, but he will be leading with 30 to go. By 25 to go, it's a battle for the lead. Stephen Wilson and Mitchell DeYoung. 23 to go, it's a three-wide battle as Zach Novak joins the fray. And by 22 to go, it is Zach. Uh, they were actually three-wide for the lead, a multiple laps. Um, and, and so Zach comes out on top as DeYoung slides back um, and then Wilson and P2. Yeah, and uh, talk about bad timing for us for our schedule commercial break. Uh, when they go three wide for the lead, you mentioned it was several laps long. Uh, you had Wilson, you had Novak, you had DeYoung, you had Comers and Goers. Uh, Alfala then sneaks up into the midst. He ends up in third position, and then it looks like he's the guy to beat because he's got uh, a little bit better tires than some of the cars in front of him, and uh, he closes right in and was looking to go for the lead. Yep, and then trouble. Briar LaPrade gets spun. He collects Mike Conti. There was a stack up. Bolin made an evasive move, but LaPrade was already there. He spins into Conti, and more are included. And so uh, it was caution at 17 to go. And uh, yeah. Sets it up for another one. Uh, you know, tough break, certainly for Briar. Um, you know, hometown kid, uh, obviously rookie, but first time uh, at Nashville Super Speedway in the Coke Series. He's on pole. Uh, you know, he gets spun. Conti gets taken out. Um, you know, Bolin uh, in the midst as well. Uh, somebody else who was having a good night. Uh, just, just tough, just tough. And, uh, you know, those are a couple of guys who are looking to have real good nights. Wrong place at the wrong time. It seems to be the uh, same old song and dance for uh, a lot of people in the series this year. And more pit fun, uh, Clampett and Bardot stay out. And the top five that were off pit road, two tires only. And so we got a, another mix here. And so Logan and, and Bardot lead them off with 12 to go. But then there's a big crash just before the caution. Ray Alfala actually took the lead. Yeah, critical timing for Ray because we talk about the modified uh, you know, restart procedures and, and right before the yellow, Ray gets into position uh, to take the race lead that puts him in the control car spot. And, you know, Ray was looking quick. I think that Ray would have honestly preferred for it to go green because he was quicker um, and had the gap. He really didn't want things to get grouped back up to allow some of those faster cars uh, to close in behind him, including Novak. But uh, it, Ray was in a decent spot looking for his first win of the year. Absolutely. So uh, back to green and it's caution again. Garrett Lowe gets turned. Garrett Maines is involved. Um, and, and so uh, they line them up again. Line it up again. New restart procedure in effect. So Ray can't just take off. And again, I, this is where I was most impressed by the field because you got to feel like they're going to be uh, chomping at the bit. They're going to want to go. They're going to want to go. And somehow some of the cleanest restarts we've seen all year. All right, and so we get another restart and then another quick caution. This time, Kyle Peddle uh, and others crash at four to go. Uh, so Ray Alfala will have the lead. He starts next to Blake Reynolds, uh, both uh, on the two. Uh, Zach Novak is on four and starts third. Uh, Michael Guest had two tires in fourth. Um, 
but he gets one more good restart, like you said, in the new restart zone and uh, has no challengers. And Ray Alfala is back in victory lane, four-time champ. Takes it home, 27-time race winner. Um, if that was a green, green, white checker, he doesn't win the race. But because it was a two-lap shootout, right, first attempt at overtime, he got enough of a jump to be able to get out in front. And then, of course, uh, what really was the difference maker was the battle uh, with Zach Novak for second spot. It held him up just long enough so that Ray was able to get about six, seven car lengths out in front. Novak was able to shake off Reynolds um, to get into the number two position, get sole possession of that. But uh, by the time he got clear, he was quicker than Ray by like two to three tenths of a second. Just ran out of time. One more lap and Novak could have been there. And what a statement win for Ray Alfala, right? He's been in this position before, needing a race win, getting it, but not having the points position for that win to get him to the playoffs. And the big takeaway for me is not only the fact that he's your eighth different race winner this year, but that win, that win catapulted him from 21st to 15th in the points. Remember, you need to be top 20 for that race win to count towards playoff eligibility. That gives him a huge boost with four races to go. And unless Ray Fala has catastrophic luck, he's in a really good spot to return to the playoffs. Yeah, this time last year, he wasn't looking so good. You know, he was out looking at outside the top 20 and this and that. So I'm sure he's, you know, that look on his face as he came off four to the checker, it was relief uh, more than anything, I'm sure. And you saw, um, you know, with the onboard look, uh, he, he, it wasn't a crazy celebration. It was a fist pump, right? I mean, it was a confident fist pump. I think that that kind of showed he knows he's still got it, right? Uh, we've seen him finish way down at the bottom of the point standings in the Coke series, get sent down, gets relegated, and then just wins the championship on the second level of the road to pro ladder and comes right back, right? I mean, I don't think anybody is questioning if Ray Alfala can still do it. Of course, he struggled with the way that the cars changed, and everybody thought, all right, with this seventh generation, right, this next gen, could it go back into his wheelhouse? And it's been a bit of a learning process, but uh, he wins this on the strategy call. It's his crew chief who makes the call to go for the two to get the track position, and um, it, it pays off big. And listen, Ray Alfala's numbers don't match up, to the likes uh, of you know some of the other guys that we've been seeing just completely tear it up this year uh, in this championship, right? Uh, he doesn't have numbers that are comparable, um, you know, to to Wilson, to Ottinger, but that does not mean that I want to see Alfala next to me on the playoff grid. And of course, now we still have four regular season races left. Only two spots open on points. That's big, considering two road courses are coming up and the ringers are still looking for wins. Bobby. Bobby, yeah. you got to Young. I mean, they got to be chomping at the bit. Yeah, they, they need to be in the playoffs, and this is their, their opportunity. Well, also announced today, and I don't know if it's related to the win or not, but Landon Huffman uh, announced that Ray Alfala is going to get to test a late model at Hickory Motor Speedway this Sunday. Long overdue to put this boy in a real car, and uh, I hope uh, Ray enjoys. 
Yeah, it's it's well deserved. I mean, we see guys like uh, Ryan Luza have a pretty regular late model program. Um, you know, Parker Redslaff, right, driving in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Um, but but it all kind of started with Ray, right? Um, if you ask kind of the sim racing or the i racing, I should say, population generally, and you ask them, you know, who who's the e NASCAR guy? Ray Alfalo is the name they're going to know. Um, you know, I, I feel like Ray. Um, was maybe he feels too good too early, right? I mean, he has four championships and his prize money for those four titles is less than half of what you get for winning it these days, right? So he helped build this uh, eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series to where it is today. Uh, I think it's well overdue. Um, and I think it'll be fun, obviously, being in the same car that uh, Huffman was able to put Blake in a couple of weeks ago in a race. Uh, you know, how Ray would stack up to that um, you know, because you got guys like Luz and some of those other names I mentioned who have that real life experience. Um, that's not Ray's full time background like some of these other guys. So I think it's really exciting. Uh, I'm glad to see that he's going to be able to do it in a test. And I think uh, hopefully maybe that Huffman number 71 car turns into the uh, into the iRacing star car, get some more people an opportunity. I'd love to see uh, Ray succeed in that test and get an opportunity to do it in a race. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat that they've given all these guys opportunities and pretty neat that Landon does that. All right, very good. Yeah, looking forward to uh, getting into the playoff mode here. So what do we got for the next uh, race? Well, I'm just going to repeat myself from the broadcast because I thought it was a fun stat. We're not going racing uh, at a track that has four turns for over two months. Um, you're going to have to wait till Darlington for the regular season finale till we get back to a four-turn track, right? Because we've got Road America, Pocono and Watkins Glen coming up. Now, Pocono is a super unique oval in and of itself, right? We're going to spend plenty of time uh, when we get closer to that July 19th race talking about who that benefits. But the real thing I'm looking at is Road America coming up next and then Watkins Glen, right? There are only two road course races on the calendar in 2022, and they are in the next three weeks. There are two spots left on points. You referenced it, a Bobby Zelensky and Mitchell DeYoung. They have to be salivating at this opportunity. They need to get a win if they want to fight for the championship. But, of course, you can't rely solely on that road course prowess because you don't have a road course race in the postseason, right? The playoffs consist of Bristol, Dega, Homestead, and then the finale at Phoenix for the first time. But you got to think that those guys are putting in tons of effort. They are the best road racers we have ever seen in this series. And the way that the playoff bracket is shaken up, Road America could be huge coming up in two weeks on July the 5th. All right, Evan Pasoko, it sounds like a, a good one. Thanks for coming on and t- talking Coke racing with us. And, uh, hey, we'll see you next time. Anytime, guys. Enjoy the race, and we'll talk in two weeks. Topics. Let's get into it. Brian, you're up first. Yeah, this first one came from the forums. It was from a user, um, Juan Fran Hernandez, and he posted in the forums that he was in a GT3 race and uh, got completely ejected from the race. 
and uh, after um, he was ejected, he went and checked out the UI, and it was showing as being completely offline. So uh, there was some kind of weird things going on um, for a little while there with uh, the iRacing servers. Um, Mike, you had actually uh, put on this uh, link a, uh, a a a response from iRacing and and Twitter a Twitter response, and uh, for some reason it got deleted. The the t- the response got deleted, so I wasn't able to see what their their um, their res- response to this was. Do you, do you happen to remember what what it was uh what it was all about? Well, there was definitely something going down. Uh, I think it was Monday by memory, but uh, the service was down. Um, there was definitely some activity. Um, yeah, but it came back up uh, not long after. I think if I remember, the tweet said something about. Uh, inconsistencies with the database or something along those lines. Okay. Yeah, so it sounds like they just had some kind of issue going on. Um, I'm assuming it got resolved because I haven't seen any more any more responses in the forums that um, that this problem's reoccurred. So it sounds like it's something that they just probably sometimes they just need these this feedback from uh from us racers in the forums who are like hey something just happened and before they know to respond to it and uh that's one of the great things about this community and and about this forum is that you know we are you know in a way we are kind of testers all the time because they're always updating the service there's always new things added and um you know it's just impossible for them to to see how it's all going to flush out once it's, you know, once it's available to thousands of users using it all, you know, all different times, you know, all different configurations. It's nothing they can, they can, you know, ever check out in, in, in testing. So, uh, and these forums are a great way, you know, so if you, if you do have issues, you know, I encourage people to, to use the forums to, uh, to put stuff up. You'll never know what kind of response you'll get from, um, from the staff members to, uh, to address the situation. And you could save, you know, your fellow iRacers a lot of heartache by uh, bringing it to their attention. I, I digress. I'd love to see the forums integrated into the new app. Um, you know, somehow port the forums into the app or, allow us to see the forums in the app and that way we're not having to sign into the forums every time we can just open this app and boom we're in i think um i think the worst part here too is and it was you know it affected everybody so you know you lose all your you know you lose ai or your your ir and sr2 like there's some heartache from guys if they were racing and things like that when stuff like this happens um so you know it kind of just it's never good for the community, but I guess you got to understand things happen. Yeah, but if it's if it's on your end, you know, where you have a problem, you get bounced out of a race because it was on your end. You know, it's a little easier to swallow because it's your stuff, it's your equipment. You know, um, but if it's on iRacing's end and you're getting bounced out of sessions and you you might be taking some hits on your SR IR, you know, that's that's a little bit different story. Well, they've yet to have a major issue um, during like a big event like the Coke race, right? They've never really had a down then, have they? Knock on wood. I mean, it's been a while since they've had issues with the big events. I mean, honestly, kudos to kind of getting that under control. I mean, it was almost a reputation, you know, where we were getting a big event and we've expected DDoS attacked or the servers can't handle it or we had to all sign up for the UI instead of the website, you know, all this different stuff. Yeah. I just think 
I think that would be really a major thing if it did it to, to something that was televised or something like that. But um, iRacing in the last probably two years has definitely got that part under control for mega signups and stuff like that. So when something like this happens, you know, we can we can live it with it for a couple hours or a day. Okay, Tony, how about late afternoon AI boost? Yeah, well, apparently the AI uh, aren't, aren't uh, you know, aren't, aren't up for mornings. They like to sleep in. Mick Peters noticed that the AI uh, is getting faster in late afternoon races compared to other times of the day. And uh, staffer Alex Saunders replied, they're looking into it, maybe because uh, balancing type testing is done with default afternoon conditions. Oh, so, uh kind of weird in a sense just because that's where they test it that's where the issue would be but apparently there's something going on there they just need to get yeah. that coffee in them and they're ready to go right well he runs the cars at noon he runs the same race same cars in the afternoon totally different times now weather's one thing you know track temp but it's a significant difference is the way this reads and this is the one thing that kind of always have bugged me about the AI is when they first announced AI, I envisioned, wow, wouldn't it be cool to test setups? Like, you know, I'm going to put this setup in these car AI cars and maybe that setup in those AI cars and I'll run this setup and we'll run a, you know, 25 lap run and see how everyone shakes out. I mean, think about the data correlations you could get on how to, you know, you have four sets and you need to narrow it down to one, you know, <laughs> it'd be a great tool to do something like that with, but it doesn't work that way at all. Um, it's designed a totally different way where the the strength of that driver is not dependent on the set in any way, shape or form. So, Mike, let me get this straight. Now you're 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 not practicing at all and you're wanting the AI to practice for you now, too. <laughs> I, I've done some AI racing, uh, you know, to prepare for some of these races recently. And, uh, you know, like the Skippy, uh, you know, practicing the starts. And then when I was setting up my dual clutch, you know, for the uh, the launch, um, the AI was perfect for that, you know, because I could do a, a, a start and I could stop it and restart and, and it would, you know, do it in just a few seconds. So it, it was very handy uh, for those kind of things. Yeah, I get what your 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 thinking is here, and the thing is, is AI is intended to just play like we used to play, you know, when we used to play NASCAR two thousand three or anything like that. It's just supposed to be something to race up against, and I guess the changing the strengths and stuff. But I think, I think the thing that uh, has changed from the traditional AI that we were able to just run, you know, we ran against the NASCAR two thousand three, or you know older video games is iRacing has got that changing weather conditions and all the different things that they have going on in the background that I don't know if they could ever get a, you know, can you, can you make, they might actually be three seconds faster in the afternoon, like maybe not three seconds, but they're, they, you know, you're going to have faster times in certain times of the day than you are, you know, for it. So that's why this guy, I think this, the only reason he's really noticed is because it's that three second mark, but there is different times of the day where uh, with the way that iRacing is designed that you're going to be faster at. Yep. 
I got this one, the Oswego story. We talked about this last week. Dale Jr. had talked about on the podcast that he talked to Oswego Speedway about getting scanned for iRacing, and, you know, they kind of weren't interested. So we got an email from listener Robbie Swan, and I'm going to, this is a wall of text, and I'm going to read most of it, but here we go. Um, I have the inside scoop on Oswego. I've lived in Oswego all my life. So when I heard what Dale Jr. said about not understanding Oswego, not understanding what iRacing was, it was heartbreaking and I had to get the answers. I reached out to a friend of mine who is an avid iRacer and multi-time, multi-division track champion at Oswego. I consider him a reliable source because he's raced at Oswego for seven plus years and knows the owners. He said that when he spoke to the owners, they said, quote, we know what iRacing is. When iRacing asked to scan the track, we asked them to also scan in the big block super modified. They didn't seem interested. As a lifelong fan of Oswego, I get where they're coming from. The super modified is what defines Oswego Speedway. It's the very reason the track caught Dale Jr.'s attention. To clarify to you guys what a super modified is, it's a super a super is a 900 to 1,000 horsepower short track asphalt car. It has to be have a certain size tire and not exceed a certain wheel base. Other than that, there's not many rules other than safety. So these cars go around a 5.8 mile uh, bumpy low uh, tracks at 150 plus mile per hour. They're the only short track asphalt car faster than a sprint car, and it's a spectacle. So I'm sure the Oswego Speedway feels that only half of what it offers would be on display if they only added the track. So I'm going to stop there What do you, uh, and let you guys chime in. I mean, what do you think here about the big block? Now, Palm Dryling uh, clarified for me that the big block we have, that's a dirt modified. And this one is the asphalt modified. Yeah, it, it almost looks similar to like a Wayland modified, you know, with with a sprint car wing on the top um, for, for more downforce. That's kind of what it reminds me of. And of yeah. course, they they run asphalt. Of course, uh, there's a uh, there's Wayland modifieds. I I think looking at this, Michael, when I read this, when you uh, you know shared it with us, and I saw it in the background of uh, all the messages. But I'm wondering, like, obviously, iRacing doesn't see that. You know, this this is going to end up like um, what was the the series that you tried to get in that was only a league. Or it's like a certain set of guys that used to race on a certain night. Yeah, so I have a feeling this would just end up like a series like that, and I don't know. Does I you know iRacing's got to spend resources and things to do this, but do you really think that iRacing's going to you know you know build something like this? Um, Because you know that's they're going to use you know. You can have our speedway if you do this. Like maybe iRacing's like, yeah, no, we're not gonna do it type thing because um, that's the only stipulation. If you don't want your racetrack to, you know, have like, you know, I think iRacing is good exposure for a lot of these tracks. And if you're using it, if you're putting it down to a niche of a certain car that races on that track, you're taking possibilities of your track being seen by a lot of people in the world. I just, I just. I just think it's two sides being stubborn with each other. I think it's uh, more or less like I'm sure iRacing has got a lot more tracks uh, lined up to go to, to, to get scanned without having that, um, you know, like, Oh, you gotta, 
um, I can't think of the word that, that belongs there, but um, there's a lot more. I'm sure there's a lot more going on. Maybe if they start running out of like, you know, some of these uh, smaller tracks or these other, uh, these other tracks, like, all right, well, we, we could probably do something with the car. And, you know, it's kind of where I see that. To me, to me, it seems like uh, iRacing would probably put a lot more time and, and coding and programming into a car than they would a track. You know, the track, you know, they, they obviously scan the surface while they're there and they build the, um, build the surroundings and stuff like that. But that's pretty much it, right? I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot extra that goes into it, but you know, a car, you have to, you know, you have to, you know, apply a new, the damage, the, uh, well, maybe not the damage, but the, um, you have to apply the tire models, the tire model physics that, you know, this is going to have a completely different aero package to it with that wing. So all that's a whole lot of extra modeling that they would have to do for a car that, you know, it's pretty cool. And maybe they would get around to it at some point if they, if they start running low on ideas of, of things to bring into the service. But, um, it's, it seems to me like this, this might be like a, a regional type of car. That's not, uh, that's not widely run across the, across the country. So, you know, for them to put all that extra time just to get the track and maybe not get the bang for their buck because of all the, the time and effort and, and resources they put into the car might not make it worth it for them. This car is something else. I mean, looking at the picture, the engine is literally on the left mounted to the left side of the car. And it's a big old, like big engine, like a big old Chevy V8 or something crazy. It looks like, but it's a big old engine. And, and it's, literally hanging off the left side of this car the other thing i noticed is that wheel the wheel uh, at the axle on the front and probably the back it's off centered on the car i mean the the left side of the axle as you look at the car from the front it's sticking out farther than the right side we we have a version of this uh that races here in um in ontario um, it doesn't look totally like this, but they do the same thing where they offset the, the, the car, you know, the left side of the, everything's pushed to the left side. So when you're making the right, right hand turns, you know, like going around the track, it goes, it, it, it keeps it, you know, set stable and low. And if, even if you look at that motor, the motor's not even flat, it's sitting on a, I don't know, 45 or like a, yeah. like a certain angle there it's sitting on just to the way the headers and everything go off it. But I think, um, I think it's a badass looking car. I just, I just don't know how many people want for it. Yeah. It kind of reminds me like a BMW motorcycles have their engines turned sideways, sticking out the side like that um, with that angle. Um, but you know, that's a, that's another thing, Mike, that you bring up this en engines in a weird spot. That's going to th totally throw off the physics and the weight, and all that stuff as well. It's all, all, all coding and all modeling that they'd have to put into this car. Again, it would, it, it looks like it would be fun and, and uh, maybe something they would get to at some point, you know, if they, if they're really looking for new oval cars, cause uh, they, they do have so many oval cars already, you know, but just, uh, just really, it's a cool looking car. And to me, it just it seems like iRacing just doesn't have the, uh, doesn't want to put that extra into it just to get the, the track to go with it. Forgive me if I forget here. What state is Oshwigan in? New York. It's in New York. 
So it's not really that far from Boston or from the, their actual headquarters, would it be? I think that's a day trip, right? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing also if they had to scan a car like this, they'd definitely have to get a bunch of either a couple of the guys that, you know, actually drive these things in real life to try and help them dial it in too, right? Exactly. You know, when you, I'm looking back at, in my memory about, you know, how did they develop a car like rally cross, for example, they had the rally cost drivers, you know, testing the car and running laps on it and giving feedback. And they, and that's part of that development process. So they would have to do the same thing here. Well, didn't we just do an article on, wasn't it Morad that they had his Mercedes was the one that got scanned um, for that last build? So, like, you know, he was in development with it. Yeah. Brian, how about the iRacing Off-Road Championship Series? Yeah, so uh, last night uh, uh, iRacing kicked off a brand new World Championship Series. It's the uh, Off-Road Championship Series. It's a $25,000 prize pool series. Um, Last night was their first race um, ever. It was uh, held at Crandon Speedway, which is uh, really cool because you got to see the land rush starts that – that. um, that's really fun to see. Um, it's it all all came off without a hitch, and um, and uh, the racing was really exciting. I, I watched a, a good bit of the of the second feature that that was on there, and these guys are really talented because you know I've driven these trucks before, and uh, it's really hard to to keep it under control. You know to be precise with it because it's so much sliding and so much twisting involved. Um, it's it's a lot of fun to drive, and these guys are really good. So uh, Connor Barry actually took the win in that second feature of the night by uh, with a last turn pass of Keaton Swain. He really they were going to turn eleven. It's a it's a tight turn right before the 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 jump at the finish line, and uh, he kind of just uh, buried it in the to the corner low and just made a little bit of contact. Bush pushed him a little bit wide and uh, just barely got past him on the last turn and uh, took the win in that race so uh, so barry connor connor barry is going to be uh you know remembered as the first ever winner on one of these main features on the on the off-road championship series so uh i watched it last night late on um on their youtube channel it was a uh, it was real easy to get to um there's some other they had a before the before this race started they had an all-star a race with some guys in it that you would you would know um uh, alex bergeron is actually in the championship series so he's one of the big sprint car racers uh, you remember we talk about him every time the sprint car championships comes around so uh yeah really cool series uh, I, I would highly recommend watching it even even if you've uh, even if you don't catch it live yeah i actually saw the pre-races um they were the what do you call the celebrity race or whatever? Yeah, the celebrity all star race is what they called it. Yeah, so I watched those live um, last night, and I was entertained. Um, the announcers are spot on. Um, they drive enthusiasm. They make you want to look at the screen to see what's going on. Because I was kind of doing other stuff, and I'd have it playing on my phone in my pocket or whatever, and. Wow, I'd stop what I was doing based on what they were saying. So the announcing was awesome. And the way this racing plays out is the start is key, especially at this track where they're all starting uh, side by side. And and they can be up to two rows deep. 
But um, what happened was they did dual races. And so the guy who won the first race, who happened to be uh, one of the guys that runs this truck regularly in the sim, and he does it leagues. And then apparently he's run the car in real life as well. I forget his name. He won the first one. And so they put him dead last for the second race, and he won the second race too. So he was really good. Um, there were some Coke drivers in there, um, Rhett's Laugh, and, uh, and who else? There was another guy, I forget. And yeah, I mean, those guys uh, mixing it up. And, and like you said, Brian, it's totally acceptable in this series and in this racing to really kind of bump and run, you know, kind of drive it in there. And it's okay if you rub him a little bit kind of thing. But the thing is, is, you know, you hit the guy, he's going to come after you, you know, think about uh, watermelon man and Denny Hamlin the other day, you know, going after each other. Um, but that's exactly what I saw in those first races was there were, there was one guy had drilled it in there and, and knocked this other guy out of the way. And, and so that guy who got knocked wide, man, he's going after that other guy. And, and sure enough, you know, he crosses over and gets under him and slams him out of the way. And, and it's kind of fun to watch that stuff. So, uh, yeah, so it looks like uh, next Wednesday will be the second race at Wild, Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park. Um, it's going to be it's a total of eight weeks. So, uh, yeah, I would I would catch, catch these races. Uh, they, they don't go into the rally cost uh, tracks. They're sticking to the purpose built um, these purpose built tracks for the uh, for the four by fours. You know, Wild Horse, Wild West, uh, Bark River, and then they go through the Gambit again, and they'll they'll wind up at uh, Crandon again at the end of the season. So they're not they're not going into the rally cross courses that that you see uh, um, sometimes you see these trucks on. So. Maybe it's a good sign that if this season, this series is successful, they'll they'll start trying to scan some more of these uh, purpose-built four-by-four tracks, which would be really cool because they're the, every one I've tried has been a lot of fun. How many more are there out there? I mean, I don't think there's a lot of, of them out there, and they already have what four, so that's just enough to pull this championship off, I think. Tony, how about Skip Barber iRacer gets a podium? Oh dang! This is uh this is real life stuff. Um, I was wondering what's going on here, and all I gotta do is read, and and I'll and I'll figure it out. Um, the uh, iRacing Skip Barber Formula Champion Mikkel Gade got a podium third place finish at the second race of the Skip Barber Racing School season at uh, VIR of Virginia International Raceway. Yeah, so uh, I just followed this up from the first week. This is the second race. And again, I'm following this up because this was the guy's prize for winning the iRacing series online was to get a full season ride in the Skip Barber Racing School series. So he, uh, you know, so I'm kind of catch, you know, kind of following, see how he's doing as a transition into a real world racing series. And, you know, again, it was, it's to my, you know, to my money, it's the, it's the best prize that they've they've come across you know i know 300 grand is pretty cool too but um but yeah it's it's the first first series where winning the series gets you a ride in that series in real life no no uh, yeah that, that's perfect as soon as you start like duh yeah we, we've talked about this quite a bit and my attention is about you know three seconds long so i had already forgotten about this but you're right this is like <laughs> now now this guy's got a podium and because he because he won in a video game, now he gets to go you know play in real life. <laughs> it's awesome. 
I'm doing well. That's the key, man. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool because I've seen stories where, um, who was it, uh, Gregor Hutu, who was like, for a long time, was like the road course king of the of the universe in iRacing. And somebody put him in a, in a, in a real car and they had a, a short documentary about it. And he did okay. He, he was, I mean, the guy never didn't even have a driver's license in real life. Um, and, uh, you know, he's going from these iRacing championship series and you know they put him in a real a real uh, formula style car um and he did okay he didn't do really well but um he did okay and um you know this is kind of cool because uh, this guy's actually uh putting up some good finishes in this series coming from iRacing well done no uh something not well done was the mini indie uh, iRacing posted up a video this week of the Mini Indy, an Indy car race that was held on the tight confines of the Lucas Oil Speedway. And the video shows them actually starting three wide. I don't know what that's all about, but they don't get far. They get down into one and two, uh, exit out of two. The leader makes it out, but literally nobody else makes it out. Uh, the three wide. Uh, didn't quite work out well. Yeah, it looks like this kind of played out as expected. All right. Yeah, that's a. It's actually kind of comical to watch, but it's, you know, does the Indy 500 start three wide? Don't they start three wide? Maybe that's why they did it, right? Well, they do a parade lap three wide. Okay. Indy 500 oh. starts three wide. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, they do start three wide. Okay. Yeah, they do so start three wide. That's the idea. Yeah. Well, that's funny. My comment is exactly what was in the in the Instagram comment. <laughs> when a, when is expected? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm Mr. Originality tonight. You know, even if they wreck, man, have damage off, get the car straightened out, and keep going. I mean, if you have enough cars on this little track, it's still fun. And I've run races like that where, you know, real fast car on a bull ring, no damage. It's a blast. Do like do these cars at like Bristol, exactly, or South Boston or something like that? Well, didn't the IndyCar series used to run at Bristol at one time? No, they've done Richmond. They've done Richmond. Lucas that's Oil. what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's it. Um, I don't know if they've ever. I don't think they ever went to Bristol because that lap would be too fast. You wouldn't be able to stop. You wouldn't be able to avoid anything. And with the banks on that in those cars, the G forces they pull would probably be pretty intense too. I mean, come on, we saw in Top Gun, you can pull like 10 Gs without having any problems. So why not? Can't they go around this, right? Spoiler alert. Sorry, spoiler <laughs> alert. Okay, Brian, Tyler Hudson wins for real. Yeah, so Tyler Hudson, he's obviously the iRacing's uh, eSports senior competition manager. And, you know, he's... You know, he's obviously been around the series a while. He's he's a former Coke Series champion. Well, he took his uh, iRacing sponsor late model to an actual real world victory at Jackson Motor Speedway, and uh, yeah, he he posted the his, the result in his Twitter page. He's like, uh, I'll read it to you because he seemed like so excited. I was like, I've waited literally my whole life for this moment. Have to thank God, my wife who's been through it all with me and everyone at iRacing who's helped me through the years finally. So uh, I'm taking this, this is his first win ever in a, in a late model race. Um, so uh, congratulations to Tyler. It's really cool to see, uh, see him have some success. Heck yeah. What a project, you know, to, 
you know, put together, I think he's put together this team and this car on his own. And, uh, from what I understand, but, uh, put this effort together, you know, he's got the iRacing sponsorship, you know, from his workplace. That's cool. And, you know, that's why we talk about it. You know, obviously we want to support iRacing, but, uh, man, I mean, if you've ever raced Tyler, you know, I mean, he's an alien. I mean, we used to run with him in the winter league and uh we do run with him in the winter league and i mean he would sneak it in there three wide when you would think that's not even a possibility um and and do some really put you in a compromising spot but he would be never the guy that messes up and wrecks us though um so he yeah he's got it together okay current events tony a reminder of the peach tree three yeah, so uh, Peachtree 3, it's uh, going to be held on July 14th. That's a Thursday. It benefits the National MS Society, and uh, it's going to send teams to Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta for three hours of racing. So uh, in the Corvette C8R GTE, uh, the Global Mazda MX-5 Cup car, and iRacing's fleet of GT4 vehicles. Now, I got a... Uh... I got a uh, digress here a little bit. So I found this current event again, but I went into the UI and then I just want to, the UI gave me some kind of wizard. It was like a, a guided tour. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but we haven't talked about it on the show, but I wanted to mention it. It was cool. I mean, it, it kind of points out in the guided tour, the different parts of the UI, um, where to do certain things. And you know what? I hadn't really taken a look at it for, you know, in depth for quite some time. And so I kind of poked around. They've really added a lot of stuff that wasn't there before. In fact, they even have stats there now, and I didn't even know it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yep. A turning of the tides. They Maybe. actually... Uh... They, they they brought that those little uh like you know helper bubbles or you know the guided tour was with the uh the latest update that we had or build sorry build yeah i think i just saw it this week for the first time so i was a little surprised but um yeah i mean it's it's coming around i mean it's it, God, if you look back at when it was you know two years ago or whenever this thing started man it's made some progress tony what else do we got We've got um, a question coming in uh, from our Facebook uh, live from uh, Shane Williams Newman out in Australia. And uh, he says, uh, since iRacing has the contract with Australian supercars, why have we only seen three tracks added and not the whole calendar? I think iRacing needs to bring in the iconic street tracks that the supercars race like Melbourne, Adelaide, Gold Coast, and Newcastle. We need more street tracks. And... I think they would be they they'd be coming. They just just kind of got to give them some time. COVID, COVID, COVID. That is a huge problem as well. It was hey. too hard. You couldn't travel, and I don't. From what I heard right now, you don't really want to travel anywhere. <laughs> Going back and forth between the states, Canada, Europe, Australia, all the restrictions for everything is just trying to get everything back to a normal. Um, we're still not there, and I just don't think – I think iRacing is trying to take care of what they can here on the minimal amount of money that they've – or the money that they got. And you do have to realize that, you know, we did have the COVID boost for uh, iRacing, but have we had any other boosts 
that kind of help um, fund all this stuff. Like they, they did a lot of con- content over the COVID periods, but um, you know, we're going to see some, there's probably some members that have dropped off recently. And we've been talking about that before. Now we've seen where they bought scans instead of scanning themselves. You know, we've seen that in, in one of those European tracks. So why not do that in Australia? Um, Australia is a big place, you know, they're their own country, their own continent. Surely they have the resources there to, to digitize whatever needs to be scanned or whatever, and then send it over, you know? So maybe that's an answer to Greg's situation with the COVID in the travel and all that. But the other question I have is if it's a street race, does that mean it has to be scanned during the weekend of the street race? Like, you know, they go into the streets and they set up the curbs and they set up everything. I mean, you have to scan it while it's set up, right? So you have to do, when it's a street race, you have to time it, right? You have to be there that weekend. You know, if it's just a track, you can go any day and scan it, right? Well, didn't they just, I mean, obviously Chicago didn't exist. It was built off of them an idea, but they still went and scanned those streets, did they not? They just scanned the environment, took pictures, and they came up with something with the scans, right? So, you know, what's them, you know, what's the difference of them maybe going in doing the same thing? I, I don't know if you have to, sh- you know, when they scan, do you have to shut the area down though to scan it? Like, do you have, you can't have people walking around, you can't have anything like obstacles moving to be in the way? I, I don't know, but um, that's the biggest problem with the street course is, is it's only there for the events. And if, if not, then it's it's back to you know a working day. Well, here's the other thing. Like, I don't know anything about the participation. I know like that stuff is is popular. It's quite popular. So if it continues to be popular, and it's you know bringing people in, and you know people are screaming like you know squeaky wheel will get the grease eventually, and they'll, they'll continue uh, working that stuff out. Um, you know. Once they can cross, you know, other obvious obstacles, but um, yeah, participation will probably lead that charge mostly. And I think Tony, with what you're saying there too, is they're going to be they're going to be wanting soon here. I think I don't think it's started yet. I think is it next year? I think they're bringing in a Gen Three car, like another whole new car design that that iRacing is going to have to design another Ford and Chevy combination again to. Um, you know, to bring to iRacing and then retire the other two. Because Holden doesn't exist anymore. It's now the Chevy Camaro that's racing over there. So how popular is the Supercar Series? I mean, is there enough people running this to even warrant the scan of all the additional tracks? I mean, if they only, you know, have 15 people sign up for a race, you know, I have no idea how many they have signed up. Maybe they have a lot, you know, but... If there's only, you know, 15, 30, 45 people running on a regular basis, I mean, that's the people that are going to buy the tracks, right? Well, I mean, it was enough to get them a server, right? They gave them an Australian server. So obviously there was some, but I mean, that could be just in general racing from that side of the world. Uh, You know, they don't have to be just racing the VR supercars, but um, 
I think there's a participation level, but I have a feeling it ends up being a certain night participation level, like some of these cars on this on the on iRacing, right? So I just looked it up on the website for the twin ring Motegi, and uh, they're only doing one split, guys. Uh, field size fourteen. Um, so each time frame, uh, each rate they have a race every two hours, basically. And, uh, yeah, they're only doing one split, guys. You know what that reminds me of, like, 10 years ago when iRacing was, you know, had the COT car and everything like that. You, you'd fight it every, you know, before the NIS series even exists, you'd run an A, a race every two hours, and you'd hope to get 6 to 14 people in that race. So Shane just come back uh on our chat there and said it's it's third next to nascar and indy and then i, think, I looked i at, think he's forgetting about the gt and european size where they'd have like 400 participants every two hours yeah that's road who cares yeah. well this is considered road i would say but anyway i looked at both the australian server and the regular server and again uh it shows one split only for each time slot. Yeah, if that's what's uh, going down, it's that's going to be hard to to make a you know a real argument to to bring in more tracks for those series. Surely it would drive per that participation, but that's what I'm trying to say. There's there's t looks like you know 20 people running this thing. Maybe you know if you look at it over several days, maybe it's 50. You know, and then you know the the new tracks bring in another you know double it let's say 50 that's only 100 people i mean they're not going to make any money on that we want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor sim coaches months ago i made the switch to sim coaches from load cell pedals i can tell you from the experience the difference is huge i'm able to break deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner they have helped me a ton right now for a limited time sim coaches is offering our audience 10 percent off your order you can't find a better deal anywhere else use code iRacers Lounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Okay, podcast housekeeping. Don't forget to leave us a review, a review of your on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for listeners to find that podcast. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers during a race so they don't miss out. We would appreciate it. Don't forget our Discord. And thank you to uh, our Discord listeners. Uh, our people are posting in there. Some of our stories actually come out of that Discord server. And we have the website to listen, uh, look at while you're listening. Boy, I'm really stumbling today. We're also on the Performance Motorsports Network. Fantasy. I think I won last week, finally. I won. All right, let's settle for a tie. <laughs> I think we all tied. <laughs> well, um, well, we got Nashville coming up. Um, boy, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not even the guy to be speculating on anything. Um, but I'm thinking Chastain is a guy to go with. 
Maybe a couple of the Hendrix guys. Track house in general. Yeah, they're just beating up everybody. They're just being a monster this year. That's awesome. It's so cool. Chastain's got some payback due, so I don't know about that. I don't think that's coming yet. I don't think that's coming yet. Wait till 10 races to go. Yeah, wait till the playoffs when it really matters. I mean, I'd love to see Denny try and just totally eat it and, you know, take himself out just because he can be kind of whiny. So I'd be all right to see that. That'd be funny. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to – I, I got to place my bets on um, on Chastain. Kind of liking, liking what he's doing. Obviously, it's, it's working. And I was listening to um, whatever the uh, NBC – I think it's – what are their version of motor mouse or maybe it is motor mouse, but um, they're talking about, you know, like you get this bit of a break and, you know, maybe some of the other guys that are, you know, like laying back, will start making, uh, you know, making some headway, you know, um, like Stuart Haas, like that, that, that whole group, there's not running all that well. And uh, Childress, you know, like um, Tyler Reddick, man, he's, he's knocking on the door. He's, he's, it's got a. It's got to break through sometime. Well, Tony, what you're saying there like really makes sense this week too because they had the off week. It's kind of like a regroup, regroup re- week where they can you know they can catch up on some stuff with some of these building of these cars, um, and uh, you know regroup with figuring out what you know they need to f- for the rest of the season since this is the first off week since the beginning of the, the season they they haven't had any downtime like this. Maybe it's not Denny that's wrecking Chastain, but it's Chase trying to save some face after Dale Jr. called him out, literally, for not obeying his crew chief. Um, You think Chase is happy about that comment from Dale? I just take it where it's coming from. Dale wants to act like he did something all mighty. He spun... Kyle Busch out, but it still looked bad on Junior that race because didn't Kyle Busch come back and win that race anyways or finish like second after being wrecked by him? He didn't take him out. He just spun him. So, you know, Dale, I I have respect for what Dale says, but I just don't. There's going to – I'm a Chase fan, um, but there's a time and a place, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And these – We've known for years a lot of these drivers just run their mouth. Denny, like when when uh, Tony was talking right there, Denny gets involved in one of these things every year, and it railroads. I'm not gonna say it's the reason he hasn't become a champion, but he fo- there's things that just follow him around by the end of the season, and he ends up not, you know, everyone says him as he's a title favorite, and then he's just not there at the end of the season. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Hardware software. Ryan, we have a listener hardware review on the Varho Arrow. Yeah, um, this actually stemmed from David's uh, stream, as, uh, where uh, he chatted with someone about the Varo Arrow um, VR headset. So we did a a review of this or we we talked about it when it was released uh, early i don't know probably less than a year ago um because this this uh, vr headset was claiming to be have the the best clearest uh visuals that there were available out of any headset and uh, for the most part 
everybody was uh, agreeing with them. Um, the 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 the, uh, the optics, the uh, the vision, the uh, clarity was 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 top notch out of all the headsets. Um, so he talked about it and asked if uh, he asked. Uh, one of his uh, buddies to send in a review of it. And he got a couple other uh, reviews sent in. Um, Bino Van Rensburg, who uh, we talk about every once in a while, he sent in a review. He, he said that uh, it's his first impressions were, it's not quite ready to buy yet. Cause, cause remember you're talking two to three grand for this headset. It's an expensive headset. So, I mean, there's always going to be that cost versus performance ratio, what you're looking for. It might change from one person to the next based on, you know, what they're looking to get out of it. And, you know, obviously their own personal finances, that's a, that's a major, uh, major thing to uh, consider. Um, but uh, other people did like it and uh, did say that it was worth it. Um, so, uh, there's a there's a, a video that convinced uh, some of the people that to buy it. Um, he kind of really raves about it. Um, now, one of the one of the one of his um, reasons for buying it is because um, the the hardware to power this thing has not reached the point where it's it's uh, going beyond what the, the headset can uh, handle. In other words, um, this headset might be two or three ge two generations or three generations of hardware upgrades to be able to um, be be bottlenecked. You know, so the hardware is you, you're looking at this thing for years to come because the hardware right now can't can't perform can't can't get the maximum out of this headset. So if it's if if you buy it now, that three thousand dollars over the span of you know several generations of hardware could make it a little bit more more doable as opposed to incrementally buying upgrades uh, to headsets where you're buying a, a five six hundred dollar headset every couple of years so um, there's a lot to consider um, I wish I could see I get my hands on one just to try it because I'd love to see how how, how clear it is compared to the HP reverb that I use um, but they everyone who says who's tried it said that yeah it's 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 way better than the G2 so uh, that's pretty much basically what uh, what this uh, went through um something to talk about for sure we got the 4090 coming soon that's right. what i was gonna say mike we were at talking last week about what do we need a 4090 for but you know we kind of got an answer with you know triples and monitors might not be the thing that need the graphics cards that high it's it's vr and stuff like that that's going to take it the next level yeah exactly because um yeah we were just talking about, about the 40s 4090s being twice as fast as the 3080 Ti's and stuff. So, um, who knows that if if that's the case, then you know that kind of card might be able to get the most out of this headset, or maybe it's getting close to it anyway. But um, yeah, that it's a uh, you know it's talking a lot of money because you know that card's going to be a couple grand. Um, that's what I was just thinking. And then the card, couple, yeah, and this headset a couple grand. The headset, looking, the computer, five grand and just for that yeah so a lot of money it depends on, again depends on what your finances are and what you're willing to pay for having the very top quality stuff hey brian remind me at the end of the show i have a question about your reverb okie doke so i got a quote i'm going to read this is bino's quote would i buy again 
even if the device was only double the price of the G2, I would say no, as it is definitely not twice as good at, and at almost four times the price of the G2, definitely not. I can only speak for myself, but I would still advise to hold uh, off for the next revision of this or wait it out to see what the HP G3 and others might offer. Now, here's a question I've been pondering. Do you ever think VR will ever get as clear as we have monitors now or surpass monitors um, for what we do, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Like, do you think you'll get the clarity that a triple monitor will ever get out of a VR? I mean, I, spot? I don't think so. I don't think so. Just because it's so it takes so much more computing computing power to 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 do it. Plus the 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 proximity to your eyes exposes a lot of the uh, a lot of the limitations of what the screens can do. So you know it's so close to the eyes. You can you know in the older headsets you could see in between the pixels. So I just don't think it. You know by the time it gets. If, if VR gets to the point where um, where triples are right now, triples will be way advanced beyond that. They would have, you know, in relation, you know. So I don't think it's uh, likely to, to, to ever, that gap's never going to close completely. All right. That's the Varho Arrow. So we'll keep an eye on that. I got the next one. Open XR support on iRacing. Sent in by a stream follower and podcast listener, John DeBug. Just finished an initial version of OpenXR support for iRacing. They're testing it now, and so far it's working very well. Way better than the OpenVR. OpenXR? I don't get it. Yeah, um, so I'm not 100% sure what, what's all involved in this series, in this uh, in this. Uh, this uh, open XR uh, software, you know, I'm assuming it's just a better way for the uh, headset to, to communicate with your, with the, with your iRacing programs. So maybe it makes it a little bit more efficient and you can get better, um, better results out of your headset with this. Um, sounds like it's a, right now it's an alpha testing. So um, it's a little early, but According to to what Sean Nash from the iRacing support staff posted, you know the testing's going really well, and that it might be able to do something that they can release mid-season rather than, you know, if they get all the kinks worked out, they would release it mid-season rather than wait until the end of uh, next uh, week 13. So, um, so it'll be something interesting to try out to see if you get any better improvements out of your VR experience. Um, it's uh i just don't i just can't tell you the ins and outs of this xr uh system this uh, xr version okay so more to come on that that's new and we'll uh find somebody who's used it and uh find out more i was salivating over this next one just because of the look of it i mean this one is called the brazilian rpm simulators offers their wind simulator and they show a picture here of two large, you know, tubes with looks like industrial fans and mount, uh, as well as articulating arms, you know, he all very heavy duty, um, big old power supply. And, and it looks like a controller with really thick cables and whatnot. 
I mean, it's like an overkill wind sim is kind of what it looks like. Now, had would I have bought something like this? You know, maybe. I mean, it, it's tough to do do-it-yourself, and I actually struggled through it, and I had to enlist my buddy Kyle to actually bail me out of that project, um, and he did successfully, um, and, and I got the project done. But but if you don't want to do do-it-yourself and you don't have Kyle to bail, bail you out, I mean, these kind of products are plug-and-play. Um, now, what I might caution somebody before they buy this thing is you don't you probably don't want the tubes. I mean, um, that's where I ended up. You know, I had tubes to begin with, and uh, they really, really, really diminish the wind power. And so um, you'll find that you'll end up probably doing it without the tubes. So I'm calculating it here. It's only 200, if, if I got this right, but it's only $284 American. That's what I saw too, Greg. So we got the same result exactly. Um, that's, that's cheap. That's not bad for what you're getting. Now this is in Europe. Uh, is this Spain? It's, it's sure. Brazilian. Uh, Brazilian. It's from Brazil. Yeah. It's got a nice look to it, though, doesn't it? I mean, what do you think of the cables and the connectors? I mean, you look at those. I mean, these are more heavy duty than this needs to be, but it's interesting. Yeah. Um, trying to see if they have their own proprietary software or if they're using something like SimHub. I can't, I, I haven't been able to find that information out. Yeah, I didn't see anything about software. I did look for that. I, I again, assume that they you're using SimHub. I mean, SimHub is awesome. I mean, it's got the WinSim tab built right in and, and it's got a lot of neat features in it where you can set these fans. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit and talk about my fan uh, project just a little bit because I've raced now a few races with everything in place. Um, it's awesome. I mean, as you get faster, it gets faster, and you go slower, and it goes slower. And it's, just, you know, I can feel the wind kind of hitting my face, but it's not a direct hit. It's more of a swirling of wind around my my head, and, and um, it, it keeps the wind moving and and then the sound of it too is immersive i mean as the the wind is blowing faster and faster that's part of the sound of being in a race car is hearing the wind mike does it change by car is it just in general like if you're driving the stock car to an indy car it doesn't make a difference of it does it it all auto adjusts the sim hub will auto adjust based on your max speed. Like you, it'll quickly, I think it quickly figures out what your max speed is once you're running and it just adjusts the curve of the fan to that. Okay. So it's just, so like if, because you know, say that IndyCar tops out at like 230 compared to the cup car that tops at 285, one or sorry, 185, 190. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so then you jump into a legends car and it tops out at 60. I mean, the the wind will still be strong 100% at 60 if you're in a legends it's cool i mean i i can't recommend it enough um you know the trick is placement 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 and i i had three different places i've placed it until i got it to where i want it but um but that's the trick to it and i definitely recommend it do you, does it keep you cooled down too do you find i don't know if it it's cooling me down but it's it's like I said, keeping the air moving, 
So it's definitely helping. I mean, at the end of the NIS race today, I mean, I pulled my headset off and my, my ears and my, my hair were sweating. So even if it's blowing on me, I'm still hot. I mean, but it, it helps. Yeah. Hey, Tony, how about a HTech 3D printed steering wheel? Yeah, and this guy here, he's got he's got a bunch of different stuff um, that he's designed, and you print it and build it and figure it out. But he's done he's done the work to uh, um, yeah, basically it's a, well, it's a DIY, right? So you just you know print it all out, gather the parts, put it together. Um, I just uh, been kind of spending a little bit of time looking through at least you know one of one of the simpler um, wheels. Is this right? Like six dollars? You pay them six bucks, and you get the the model. Yeah, yeah. It, it's for the STL file, so that's what the the printer will will read. So you can print this stuff out, which is you know pretty reasonable because it takes quite a bit to design this stuff. Um, the one that I was looking at didn't have a a screen or anything because if I were to ever um, uh, want one of these type of wheels, I'd probably do this and build it myself and because i run vr i don't need a screen on it so something simple um yeah and this one here is like it's like four dollars canadian and that's like what 50 cents american it's just, it's great um they, they look pretty solid they got you know this guy's got some really good reviews lots of people are you know looking at it um that's about all I can really say about it. There's not a lot of feedback on these things. So you just kind of got to go by the pictures and, um, you know, the designs of them and stuff. Stiffness. Does it flex? I mean, that's my concern is this thing. I mean, obviously when you print it's plastic, right? So like when you look at my, you know, wheel from Italy, you know, it's metal. I mean, it has a, a metal frame, and it's not going to bend. It's not going to flex. Nothing. So I just, you know, is there any metal in this thing? I don't think. I mean, is it all just plastic? No, no. There is uh, some, uh, you know, aluminum or carbon fiber that you do have to add to this. Um, I would imagine that'd be right around the, um, you know, the where you're going to mount it to the uh, to the base. The rest of it, I don't know if I'd be overly concerned about it. I think it would be, you know, fairly strong. Um, uh, a lot of the stuff that I've printed is, you know, it's, it's pretty beefy. Well, you know, as long as you got the proper infill set up, right? Like this stuff here, you want 75 to hundred percent infill. Um, and that's, it's going to create pretty strong stuff. What Tony's saying that there, cause you've printed a bunch of stuff. Um, is there different materials that can print or that can make it tougher that you can print with? Yeah, yeah, you can print with. Um, I, I honestly don't know too much about running other um, material. I just run the regular PLA, and you know, unless I've had a problem with the print itself, everything, everything so far has stood up to what I wanted it to to do. Um, I, I the closest stuff for like uh, for the racing, I am in the middle of building a sequential shifter, and that's pretty much all 3D printed stuff. And um, everything that I've got for that so far is pretty rigid. I'm not going to have any issues with that. And I also have a quick release. Um, now it's just to mount my wheel on the wall so I can um, keep it off the base. 
Um, but there again, like that thing there, I could probably hit it with a hammer a, a couple of good times before I start chipping pieces off. I'm not going to like break it in half or anything like that. So um, I wouldn't be overly concerned with the, um, there's, there could be a little bit of flex and stuff and normal driving that you would do on a sim. If you're not like yanking on the thing or, you know, pushing on it or that kind of stuff there, I, th- I think you'd be pretty safe. Do you say you made it looks so you can mount to a wall? I might have to inquire about something from you. Yeah, they're, they're your, pretty. Sorry, I see your wheels on the wall behind you, Greg. Well, I had the the one there, but um, the other one, since I moved the rig, I can't put them on the wall anymore. So that's why I was just talking to Tony there. Um, I might want. It. I have three rims that I'd like to um, mount up on the wall. Yeah, I've seen on the Etsy stores little 3D printed Fanatec things that you can like mount on a wall and then hang your wheel on. Look, Tony's pushing, uh, pointing the camera at the at it right now, so you can see it. That's cool. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, that looks pretty pretty nifty. The when I look at the third picture of the five, man, this thing's thick. I mean, it it looks kind of thick, and I wonder. Because it's like so thick, can you reach the paddles? And I mean, it's really thick. I mean, I wonder if it has to be that thick because of the electronics or just because of the nature of it being 3D printed. But the other thing that alarms me a little bit on that picture is where the quick release would be. It almost looks like it's it screws on. It's got, you know, it screws on. It's the weirdest looking thing. Pretty neat. Uh, if you have a 3D printer and you're looking for a wheel, uh, maybe this would be a neat experiment. Let's go halo hunting. Greg, do you have this one? Sure, why not? Um, so Simon, I mean, uh, is it Banhart? Uh, mm-hmm. He's looking for a halo or a halo replica to complete his sim, his realistic sim uh, formula rig. Um, so this is, uh, is this a Twitter? No, it's a Facebook post that he's... Uh, it's like on the sim building or racing builds uh, page, I guess. It says, hello, my question might sound stupid, but I'm looking for a Halo replica or instructions on how to build it yourself. The only thing missing from my formula rig is the Halo. It's just that much more realistic. I hope to under- I hope you understand me. Um, uh, so just offered everything just just offering everything where there could be something like that. Or Some broken English, I think. Could be like that. Um, interesting idea. I guess he's just trying to make it uh, very realistic for what he's doing. Now, we couldn't link to this because it's a closed group. Um, but uh, I read the comments, and the comments he got were, you know, everyone's seen those, those 3D printed, you know, formula cars like a uh, full sale was doing down in Miami. Um, Brian, there was some other place they were printing a full size F1 car. They were suggesting maybe, you know, track those people down and surely they have a, you know, a 3d, uh, you know, a print, uh, file, you know, for that halo and they can just send it to you and you can print it. You know, that's, that was the answer. Sounds reasonable because didn't those guys create some of those uh, prints from like scaled down F1 cars and they just they just scaled them up, yeah. scaled it up and printed it out basically, right? So 
And that's one way to do it. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, to, to get a replica of it and get the, uh, all the dimensions and stuff like that. Even, even if he doesn't have a printer that would print something that big, maybe he can get the dimensions and the, uh, and, and, and such from that kind of, kind of a resource. Now, what if, you know, if you, if you're doing a do it yourself, uh, with some wood, I mean, Tony, I mean, some two by fours and two by twos, maybe. And we just get some nails and slap them together and, Get a little plaque in front of your head. I mean, that, that's the whole idea, right? Let's not let Mike build anything, please. Yeah, you're on the right track, Mike. <laughs> so I imagine he's not in VR. I mean, because it wouldn't make sense to have the Halo if you're in VR, right? So he's got a single monitor or he's got triples. So why do you want to block your vision? I mean, I, I just, I mean, I understand the whole, is, I, I really do. I spend a ton of money on my thing. I understand immersion, but this, I don't know. I, I mean, this is, is this immersion? My, my question is, why doesn't he just put a pole in front of his center monitor? Then he's okay. That's what I'm saying. Just get a, a two by two and just stand it up vertically between in the middle of the center monitor and you're done. I'm wondering if the same, see, I don't think the same, it'll work the same way on a motionless, I don't know if it's got motion or anything, but like a rig that's stationed still and you're sitting in it and looking through to monitors that aren't moving, will your eyes get rid of the the halo like they do in real life when you're looking through them? I don't I don't know how that would stationary, work. right? Because you're always looking around. Like the reason that the F1 drivers and stuff get rid of the way the halo looks is because their eyes are moving around, you know, the cockpit of the car looking past it. I don't know. I just don't know what that would be like when you're just sitting there. For immersion, I'm keen on the the window net. Oh, the window net on either side, you know. That's cool. I don't know if this is cool. I just this is the first time I've seen somebody ask for this. Um, but I oh, mean, if, hey, if you're an indie car guy, maybe you're an indie car guy. If you're running a projector system, bam, you're you're good to go. It would probably work very well. Now the other thing, well, it wouldn't be IndyCar, Mike. IndyCar is a windscreen. He would it doesn't have the halo. Um, oh yeah. I just, I think it's, I think it's neat that we have people that are pushing the envelopes of what their sim rigs could be, and I'm glad that there's a community of people out there that, instead of criticizing him, started pointing him in the right direction. I mean, we're criticizing him kind of, but just in jest. We're not, you know, I'm, I'm all for him building this type of rig. I want to see what it looks like in the end. Um, I'm just glad we have a community that can point them in the right direction. I mean, the closest thing to this is if you had the actual tub, you know, we've seen that where you, you get an F1 chassis, you get an IndyCar chassis, you know, the halo's built right into it, right? Well, you also were saying that people take pictures and, and like upscale them and things like that. Do you, does he not be maybe able to take a bunch of F1 photos or whatever, or F2 photos or something, and maybe scale it from that? Design yourself. I mean, that's what the 3D printing is all about, right? And by the way, uh, Kyle Pendigraph, my buddy who 3D printed all this stuff for my WinSim, I was his first customer, and he technically has started a business of 3D printing. I, I, I think he called it premium printing, maybe? 
premium something. But uh, hey, if you, he has an Etsy store, and you can actually order uh, stuff from Kyle to be printed, and he'll do custom stuff. Uh, he did it uh, for David uh, markers for the football field for the marching band, uh, so his kids would know where to stand during their routines for marching band. Uh, he printed me the the pieces I needed for my 3D sim. Um, so yeah, hit, and if you want to replicate my 3D sim, hit Kyle up, and he'll hook you up. I was going to ask that. Maybe I should hit him up and get him to just make exactly what you did for me. Yeah, I mean, he's got it for sale. So, uh, you know, and, he, and he's reasonable. I mean, I sent him a little money to cover his cost and shipping, of course. And moving on, Mega Sim Hardware. At Mega Sim Hardware, you can choose your pedal, shifter, and handbrake system. And they showed off on Facebook at their their pay, Facebook page a picture of their three pedal set um, as well as their uh, handbrakes uh, and shifter. Um, and uh, they look pretty nice. They have a website. It's MechaSimHardware.com. And I went there and checked it out. And, uh, I mean, the, the pricing is fairly reasonable. The, the handbrake, 248 the shifter 248, the base plate for the, the pedals 74, and then the pedals themselves uh, 702 for all three. So these aren't hydraulic. They look like load cell. Um, I think they have hydraulic and load cell versions, actually. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. The 702 is a hydraulic, actually. Correct. And then they also have uh, the, a cup series. Um, that are a little bit more uh, cup version pedals as opposed to the uh, the Mecca series, which look like they might be more formula style pedals. Where are these guys at? I'm looking it up. Chezia. Chezia? I can't say it right. Chezia. Chezia. Eastern Europe uh, is a better way to say that. Yeah, I would say Czechoslovakia would be my guess. The new version of Czechoslovakia, right? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, if you're in Europe, you might want to check this out. I think we're on a, a thing about 3D printing this week, uh, Tony. Yeah, I came across this one just as I was uh, scrolling through my groups. And um, this is... Uh, it's This is a free print. So this is a, like the Asus... Uh, Bezel free, bezel free adapter. Kit. Yeah, no. So this is for uh, 32 inch curved and and flat mo monitors. And uh, now is this one? I think this one might be uh, could be specific to the Samsung G5. Yeah, I mean it's labeled that way, and this is just the uh, the adapter that holds the the plastic on the top and the bottom of the monitor. So you still have to source that. Uh, I what do you call it, Brian? Some weird name uh, from old televisions or old monitors. You can actually break them apart and get this plastic, lectan, Lucan. Something. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we saw this in somebody's build a few few months ago, and it was a really really good looking um, bezel free kit. It, it, it actually did a really good job. Yeah, I've uh, bought and sold a, a bezel free kit, trying it. My problem is, is my monitors have a pretty darn thick bezel. 
and it just doesn't work when you have the thick bezel. I mean, if you have a a modern uh, monitor that has a, a you know a regular size gaming style bezel that's fairly thin, these things work good. Yeah, I just it, yeah, it, it's nice that there's you know there's still a few things out there that are that are free. Um, it, you know, this is one of them. It's it's not a, a complicated print. Probably would only take just a couple of hours tops um for all the pieces and yeah massive solve problems are like you could find uh you know free monitors free tvs that are all busted um you know this this build here could cost you very very little probably like maybe 10 bucks yeah and another uh tip i think it was will ford from boosted media on his when he put those on his large screens i forget how big his are but he actually made a pinhole in the middle of that plastic and and ran a string like attached a string to it or something kind of thing and kind of so he could pull it tight against the monitors because the 32 inches from top to bottom if it, it flexes and so he, he put a, a a hole in a string halfway down and and pulled it between the two monitors to kind of pull it taut I got this one, Eau Rouge Seat Review. Now, we've talked about this when it came out, but now uh, Barry at the Sim Racing Garage has reviewed it this week. This is the Cold Fusion Seat. And, wow, I mean, when you get Barry to give his blessing on a product like this, that's a big deal for me. I'm like, take my money, especially... Today, you know, it's summer in Phoenix. I ran NIS, you know, at high noon. No matter how cool I keep my house and how many fans I place around me, I'm sweating. I got swamp ass, you know, my back is wet. And this fixes this, according to Barry. And uh, he liked it. Uh, he said that the fans, uh, he was concerned that there would be cold spots. Like you'd sit and you'd only feel it in one spot in your back. But the way it's designed, it actually evenly distributes that cool basically, you know, from your butt all the way up your back to around your head. Um, and he was pleasantly surprised by it. And it definitely keeps him cool. And the other concern he had was stiffness. How stiff is this uh, seat? Is it going to hold up to, to my rigorous standard? Uh, he was comparing it to the Sparco Evo uh, seat, um, and he basically said it's 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 good. It's not exactly the same uh, in stiffness as the Sparco, but it's stiff enough that he would strongly consider making this his daily driver. Basically, yeah. Um, another thing that he was concerned about that I that I picked up on was that. Um, he was afraid that you'd feel the fans through your back and stuff because it, it's got the fans. And uh, he said the 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 cushioning and, and everything else you don't you do not feel those fans against your back. There's no there's no protrusions that are pushing against you. Um, so yeah, he was really impressed with that as well. This is on my list now, guys, for sure, hundred percent. Now I don't know when, but. Yeah, I'm going to go for the cold seat. It'll happen before next summer, I guarantee. It won't happen this year, but this is going to be a fall project. It's 800 and something dollars. 
you know, that's that's chicken chump change. I'm gonna get it. All right, Brian, we got a teaser from our friends at Sim Coach. Yeah, this um, this was uh on their um, web Instagram page, and I think they put it on Twitter as well, maybe or Facebook. So, so obviously, Sim Coaches, you know, it's a uh, it's our our title sponsor, um, and uh, you know they had the best hydraulic pedals on the market, and they did just this quick little video. Um, they don't give you a whole lot of pictures. They don't give you any real information other than they're looking for a quarter three of 2022 release. So looking for that sometime in, in the next couple of months. Um, but my guess is that it might be a load cell version of their pedals. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is though. You know, that's what I was initially guessing, Brian, when they put this out, um, and they widespread put it out. And my concern, you know, like I said, load sell all the way because, you know, that's something they don't sell. But then the very next day, we get an Instagram from them that shows just a picture of the hydraulic uh, cylinder. It says the P1 Pro hydraulic cylinder waiting to be put on something. So another tease. <laughs> Yeah, and and this cylinder is, it looks like it's a lot smaller than the than the ones that they've previously used. So maybe this is just more of a compact design. I don't know, but I'm intrigued. Maybe it's just a new version of their award-winning pedals. You know, uh, maybe it's time for a V2. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, be interesting. I'm, I'm really curious, and I want to know now. But <laughs> tell us now. Okay, Tony, how about uh, Simware? Yeah, this comes from Simware.eu. Um, and they, they offer wheelbases, pedals, steering wheels. Um, but they, they do it from a, a bunch of different manufacturers. And this uh, picture that we're looking at is, um, I think, I believe it's a newer uh, wheel offering from uh, SimMagic. As a the F1 style, um, with all the F1 stuff that you get, rotaries and push buttons. This is awesome because if you bought one of these wheel bases, you were pretty much stuck buying the wheels that they offered with it, and there, there were literally no other versions until now. And so, so you're saying this is a third party that sells the wheel that goes with those bases? Yeah, well, this is a Sim Magic wheel, um, the, and the, yeah, this is just this is a company that sells. Sim oh, they're Magic just reselling stuff. it. Well, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a distributor, a retailer of uh, the Sim Magics. Looks like, that, and they have that, a couple other brands too. That they, uh, the the Moza wheels that uh, we've uh, or wheel bases that we've checked out before, and Moza, if you remember, was a um, is a big carding. Um, company that makes carding parts, and this this actual Simware uh, uh, website sells uh, carding stuff as well as sim racing stuff. So they've kind of like merged the two into into one website where you can get the products for both. Cool. Yeah, they're selling the Acetec, uh pedals that we talked about a, a couple months ago. All right. So just another. Uh, so the, obviously, if you're in uh, Europe, that's a a source for you guys to get those. And then finally, we, we have this rig review 
that came in today from overtake.gg. Boy, I mean, talk about not missing race or practice. What do you think of this one? I give it a two. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. All right, so for our audio listeners, I'll describe what I see. We're, we are we have a picture of somebody's bathroom, and uh, sitting in front of the toilet seat is a little cart set up with pedals, a steering wheel, base, keyboard and mouse, uh, keyboard, mouse, and monitor, and a computer somewhere in there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can literally sit at the throne and uh, run your race. Yeah, that's uh, some serious dedication there to uh, your sim racing. If you're going to be uh, going through all that. I call this multitasking to the next level. You better hope that if you have one of those constipated belts, it's under caution. Yeah, make sure you don't hold down your talk button. <laughs> they don't have the push to talk. They have just <laughs> the old David problem when it was always open. You know, maybe the guy just needs some privacy. Maybe this is the only room in the house he can get away from the kids and lock himself in and just run his race. Now, the I'm more concerned about the medicine cabinet behind. Why is it falling off the wall and broken? Did he have a bad race? Well, I was kind of looking at the stuff on the counter and Ziploc bags. I mean, what do you use that for in the bathroom? He's obviously filing his nails and clipping his toenails while he's driving, too. <laughs> yeah, didn't you see that rearview mirror mounted just above the monitor? <laughs> I'd be more impressed if he had triples in there. It's so close to the shower, though. You better hope that the no water gets on it. Well, he's he's ready for rain if uh, rain comes. <laughs> it just turns the shower on. He's right there to get some, some immersion. Uh, to keep the smell proper in the bathroom, should he get some of those racing candles, uh, Brian? I would recommend it, yeah. Get the old Skidmark candle. Title idea. Results. Let's jump into our racing results. And it's so nice to say NIS is back. I mean, I haven't raced in a couple weeks. And we're at Nashville Super Speedway, Wednesday Open. Man, I wrecked out. Uh, but I ran top five all day. I led some laps. With five to go on a restart, Someone took us three wide and floated up and wiped us all out. 16 minutes required. I was running fourth or fifth. Um, I think, you know, the guy took out, you know, third and fourth. I mean, we were side by side. I couldn't go up anymore. I left the guy lane anyway, and he still couldn't hold it and came up and wiped us out. Uh, It's late in the race. I don't know how I could have avoided it, but man, it felt good to be up front and be in the action uh, at the front. Um, in the beginning of the race, I was hesitant. Man, overdriving it, floating up in the corner, can't keep it on the bottom. Um, but I got it together. Now, Steve Llewellyn, my teammate, he ran as well, but he was wrecked out early. But uh, thanks, Steven. He did stick around and spot for me 
um, as I tried to get that win and uh, he was super helpful, um, but it just didn't work out for us. Thursday open uh, today, David Hall wrecked. He said, screw everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he's in a good mood, uh, poor guy. He's just, get, he's just getting uh, wrecked out left and right. He's, he's having the, uh, the feeling that I've had while being in the fast track league the last little bit. Yeah, he didn't last long, uh, maybe 50 laps or something, then he got wrecked. But uh, I ran as well, P8. And I'll call it, this is the title idea, Opportunities Squandered. I ran top five all day again. This time I actually led the most laps. After green flag stops, I had a 5.5 second lead on second place and enough gas to make it to the end of the race. Of course, a caution came out and ruined it. And then I ruined it even worse by somehow getting an unsafe pit exit. I have no idea why. It ruined my race. I couldn't regain the lost track position. I came back up from 14th to 8th, but had squat, you know, used up my tires by that point, and uh, another caution wouldn't come to, to bail me out. So P8, but uh, I felt like I, you know, had the caution not come out. I had that baby one. I mean, I had a five and a half second lead, and I was holding it. And before the green flag run, I was actually. Uh, maybe two and a half second lead and I was gapping them for you know it was increasing uh, so I was the fastest car out there uh, especially on the short run but uh, yeah P8 moving on to official road I ran skippies at ok Okiyama started P4 got to P2 then wasn't paying attention and downshifted instead of upshifted and blew the motor. Next race, started P4, eventually took the lead in a spirited battle with a car with equal speed. It was super fun stuff. I mean, I super fun. I can't believe how much fun I have in a road car doing this. I eventually spun, <laughs> trying too hard to gap the guy and ended up P6. Can't overdrive these cars. Next race started P2. Got to the lead, but spun it because I suck. Fell to P3, but got back to P2. I feel like I finally have actual speed in this car. Now, Greg, a week ago when I was talking about Skippy's at Okiyama, you were saying, you know, just because you won, you said you didn't have speed. So now I've run it several times throughout the week, and I feel like at the end of the week, I actually have speed. You mean you got better by making more laps and practicing the course? It worked. It worked. You were right. Wow. We got to thank, thank Dave Cam again for uh, suggesting that uh, practice is what, a number one of five good things to do as an iRacer. Yeah, I think you guys found something that if you practice, you get better. I mean, we we'll have to rewrite all the books about how to be a good racer. It was races. It wasn't technically practice. It was. I ran a bunch of races. Now, I sat down Monday night to run again. Oh, and I was looking forward to Okiyama again. I was thinking I could win it. But guess what? Track changed. It's Daytona, and it's the moto version of Daytona. You know what? I've never been on that version of the track. And so it's like a brand new track to me. And 
you know what it's so weird i've been running daytona for 12 years you know the road course the oval whatever and now all of a sudden i'm on this weird version i've never been on it was it was kind of uh it, it was interesting for sure but i started p8 i finished p8 uh pretty much everybody got spread out it wasn't fun i mean it wasn't like i was racing people it was just trying not to make mistakes and keep what i can keep and that's what and we all pretty much finished where we started um so i don't know if I'm going to run a lot of Daytona Moto this week, just because it, I didn't have fun with it, I'll probably try it again, maybe tonight. You, you do realize what day of the week it is, too, right? That it's Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> it's not been a great week for you this week, as of I, Yeah, I was ready to run NIS on Tuesday, wasn't I? That I mean, was I one was of chomping. the best messages I've ever. Yeah, so what I did is I got up and I put up a, a poll in our chat. Hey, who's ready for NIS? Let's go. But I was a day early. So Brian, tell us about the results for our new teammate, Spiker. Yeah, so he likes running these uh, late models. Uh, he ran a fixed race at Southern National. He got a P6. We uh, blew the motor, blew the motor on the green flag, shifting from third to second. First time that's ever happened. Not the first time it ever happened to me, but uh, so he hope it's not a hardware issue because I, I have had hardware issues like that before where it was not shifting right on my uh, H pattern, but it's uh, I got that all figured out a while ago, but hopefully it's not what his problem is. Um, and then he ran a late model open race, another Southern National. He got a P7. He said his set was just terrible. And uh, those open races, if you don't have a good set, you're in big trouble very good i ran hosted over the weekend of course chris mcguire uh hosted up supercars at michigan and to our australian listeners out there hey man you need to come run this with us uh, the supercars are a blast on the oval but uh i was wrecked out lap one uh wasn't didn't get to finish the race and yeah i think only ran once and with that final thoughts brian mccubbin hi right, guys so um yeah, I've been traveling all this week. I'm in Florida right now in a hotel room broadcasting here. Um, I go back home tomorrow after being gone all week. Um, so I get back home. Um, my kids' baseball season ended last weekend, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, things are starting to get back to normal, but uh, and then I have uh, then I'm going on a camp trip next week, so I'm going to be a uh, Hopefully, if everything works out all right, I'll broad, be broadcasting from uh, a campground. And uh, after that, then things are really going to be pretty much back to normal. No more craziness going on. No more vacations. No more traveling for work. No more baseball. And I can finally get to re get back in this iRacing full time, you know. So looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, David Hall is out tonight because he's uh playing an instrument at a play uh called cats um and he mentioned he's going to be on the beach and try to do the broadcast or the podcast recording from the beach with his hotspot uh next week so looking forward to seeing david try that or you're doing it from camping all right we lost greg hectus he lost his connection so tony groves final thoughts not a whole lot happening here. I haven't raced in a in a few weeks, and it's going to be a couple 
more weeks yet before I get to race again because I don't have the next. Uh, I, I don't have Nashville and I don't have the track after that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens after that. It's this summer. Um, but, you know, as things start to get back to normal, uh, I forgot how busy things get in the summer. And, um, yeah, things are just winding down for, for Brian and uh, things are just starting to wind up for, for me. So we'll see how this this all goes. I'm going to do my best to carve out Thursday nights, though. Um, but my racing this summer, I just don't know. Maybe a little bit here, a little bit there. But, yeah, it is what it is. All right. Very good. I mentioned last week we were looking for a teammate, a uh, fellow podcast host, and we filled the spot. Thank you very much uh, to everyone who reached out. We had multiple people interested. And you know what? I feel honored and blessed to uh, to be able to, you know, have the opportunity to, to put this team together and, and kind of pick and choose, you know, amongst the different candidates and stuff. But we did fill the role uh, with a Mr. Donnie Spiker. Uh, he, we'll meet him next week on the podcast for the first time. And and hopefully he'll be he's going to be a regular on the show. So looking forward to that. Um, and like I said before, it's so good to be back on ovals um, in NASCAR, NIS. Um, it just feels like so long. I mean, Sonoma and then the week off and you know, I was in Denver for Sonoma, so I missed it. And it's just been a long time. And boy, to get on track and actually run for the win, man, that feels, it feels good. You know, I'm just chomping at the bit. Let's do it again, you know? And, uh, yeah, looking for another win in the Skippy, um, and try to see if I can pad my, my results a little bit. Um, and so we'll probably try that tonight, uh, maybe at the Daytona again. Greg, you made it back on. Uh, your final thoughts? Uh, just looking forward to uh, running. I think I'm running for the Getter Done League tonight. I think it's Spa, but it's Spa in the dark. So it'll be interesting. You don't, you mean the, right? don't you mean the KCE Racing League, Greg? Did it change? It did. I haven't been up on it. I've been so, I've been so busy on my... Uh, my project, outside project, I haven't paid attention to any of the stuff that's been going so on. It, it actually, he, he, Coco from uh, what was Get Her Done Racing, Coco Puffs, he actually just posted something like about an hour ago that they're changing their name due to some uh, naming issues. Ooh. So what's the, the, what are the abbreviations for the new name for, do you know? Uh, I don't know. Um KCE, I know Coco's his last name. Maybe it's the three three initials of the guys who uh, run the league. So there's that comedian guy that does the get her done. Yeah, right? Larry so Cable. Maybe guy. he like yeah. is suing Coco or something. Who knows? I don't know. Cease and desist letter from the lawyers. <laughs> from Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy, cease and desist on Coco. Coco, you need to give us the real story here. Let us know why you changed the name. Well, right, I was that, just looking forward to uh, racing that tonight. Whatever name it's called, right? <laughs> whatever it's called. Okay. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Our Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.